This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. On today's PropTech VC podcast, we have the founder and CEO of Rabu, Amir Dukic. Rabu helps investors acquire and help manage short-term rentals. And uh, I've actually followed Amir for some time and uh, Amir did pitch me once and one of my regrets is not investing in the company. Uh, but Rabu is doing very well and we'll be learning a lot about the property management industry. How are things going, Amir? Uh, Zane, first of all, thanks for having me on. Excited. Uh, love, love the conversation, as you mentioned, we had prior. Uh, really appreciate some of the feedback you gave me when we talked back then. Um, so excited to be back on and, and, and chatting with you. Uh, things are going well. It's uh, it's a really interesting time in the in the prop tech and in the, in the real estate world. So uh, we're, we're digesting new information on a daily basis. Uh, really, really fun time to be to be doing what we're doing. So I'd love to dive into your story. How did you end up as the founder and CEO of a, of a very fast growing startup? Man, my, my full story. Um, I actually was born uh, in Bosnia, ex Yugoslavia. Uh, I lived there till I was six. Unfortunately, when I was six, a war broke out. Um, a civil war broke out. My family was forced to flee. We fled to Germany. Lived in Germany for, for six years. I actually started school in Germany. So in a sense, I really consider myself more German than Bosnian just because that's where you know I started school. A lot of my formative years happened six on. Uh, and you know we actually won the lottery to, to move to the United States. So we were on temporary visas in, in Germany. Um, you know, and we got to the point where we either had to move back to, to Bosnia, which at this point was a uh, war-torn third world country, um, or we had some family that already made it up to the States that, you know, volunteered to find a sponsor to put us in a lottery pool to potentially become eligible and come move to the United States. And somehow, you know, uh, God willing, we, uh, we, won, we, won the, we won the lottery, went through a pretty extensive vetting process, uh, moved to the States when I was 12. So this was in 1998. Um, and this is a green card at lottery, right? Correct. Correct. So I got the green card, won that lottery, got the green card, then, you know, met the eligibility requirements, eventually became a U.S. citizen. You know, have been here now for, man, 24 years almost. So really, you know, most of my livelihood has been my lifetime has been spent here so that's been uh, you know I'm, I'm more american patriotic than anything else just because i've been here the longest um and i've only been back to bosnia once since we left so um you know got got, got my citizenship went to school in charlotte north carolina uh got an engineering degree and did the engineering thing for a handful of years and honestly became depressed um just wasn't happy i, I felt like I was not taking advantage of the situation that was presented to myself. Nothing against engineering and being a civil engineer, but it's just I felt like I was leaving opportunity on the table. So uh, I reached out to a tech startup in Charlotte that was that had just found that had just been founded uh, by a gentleman named Mac Lackey. It was a soccer technology platform. Being from Europe, it's perfect, right? Europe soccer is my blood. So I reached out to Mac, offered to work for free for Mac as an intern. He took me on. Eventually was brought on as a business analyst, uh, worked my way up to be the VP of Ops at Kick, which is the name of that startup, uh, when that company was acquired by NBC Sports. Um, I joined NBC as part of the acquisition, but you know, started thinking with the kind of full uh, know-how or like the full expectation that I need to now start something on my own. So I was going to be an NBC for a year as part of the acquisition, the contract, but wanted to start something on my own. So I started playing around with ideas on what that would be. 
Um, right at that time period, my wife and I purchased a house in Charlotte that had a detached garage and a room above the garage, basically a 200 square foot room that had an attached bathroom to it. Um, you know, ideal case scenario, I would have met in a man, man cave, you know, watched the games, played my video games up there. But, you know, at that point, I had two little kids and there was no way that was going to work out that I would go in a separate dwelling away from my wife and, you know, hang out in my man cave while she was in the main residence with, with, with the kids. So we decided to put it on Airbnb uh, just for some discretionary income, hoping to make, uh, you know, a few hundred dollars uh, travel money, basically. The next thing we know, this 200 square foot room above our garage is paying the mortgage on our house. So we're like, wow, there, there's there's something here. Let's see if we can replicate this. So we went out uh, and found a couple more properties uh, in the Charlotte area, uh, set both of those up as Airbnbs and found them to really generate significantly more revenue than um, than traditional long-term rentals would have. So we knew we were on to something. Um, and, uh, you know, I brought on a co-founder for the company. Uh, his name is James Strong. He's a full-stack developer, uh, uh, you know, coder engineer, if you'd like, uh, and said, James, this is what I'm doing. You know, I'm really, you know, even at three to three properties, I was really kind of bogged down in the day to day. I was sending out messages. It was very proactive communication. I knew technology could solve this. So I, I, I tapped James on the shoulder. I said, Hey, this is what I'm doing. At that point, the idea is let's build out a, um, kind of a, a hospitality brand for short-term rentals, similar to what Sonder and a few other groups are doing right now in the space. Um, so James joined, started building out the backend tech. And as we started looking for additional properties to acquire, we kept getting an acquisition at that point for us was actually a master lease, where we lease it from somebody with the idea to turn it into a short-term rental. Uh, as we started talking to more and more investors that kept saying, Hey, you know, I don't want to master lease this to you. I want some of the upside. Will you guys find a way to operate it for us? So, you know, as a startup that was still being bootstrapped at that time period, we're like, okay, the acquisition cost is, is much lower. There's very limited startup fees. The owner is going to pay for most of that. Let's kind of see where that can take us. And that's really, you know, once we took that, that turn in direction, we realized the big opportunity that we had in front of us, which was really kind of creating a new shorter stay, short-term rental asset class because people want to participate in the space. They don't know how to, they need the tools to be able to do so. Uh, so we started building technology and our own operations team uh, around doing that. Amir, there's, when people think of property management and when people think of operating rentals, could you sort of give us a breakdown of the landscape? What types of different opportunities are there? And I know you touched on short-term, but could, how, how do you look at the world, uh, including long-term and short-term? How do you break it down? Yeah, I mean, first of all, there's commercial and residential, right? So we're primarily focused on residential. That's that's the world that we're in. There's three types of residential management in our minds. There's traditional long-term residential management. So that's, um, you know, single-family uh, homes that are rented out for a year at a time. Then you also have long-term, large class A multifamily management. Those two, you'd be surprised at very different fee structures. What a long-term rental uh owner of a single family home pays his property manager is completely different than what a class A multifamily building owner plays their property manager, their asset manager. And then you kind of have vacation rental management as well. This has been around for a long time. Um, it's really in vacation destinations and those are really the, the second homeowners that have a property. I know you're in the West Coast, so let's say they have a property in Big Bear, right? And they want to spend a, a week uh, every few months out there. So they. They buy the asset and then they hire a vacation rental manager 
um, to operate that asset for them to really li uh, limit their liabilities, kind of offset any liabilities if at all possible. What really, in our mind, Airbnb is such a juice, though, by becoming more mainstream and going more urban, is this thing called short-term rentals. Now, people still kind of think that short-term rentals and vacation rentals is one and the same. To us, they're different. Vacation rentals are in vacation destinations where people stay for a few days, maybe up to a week, depending on the market. Short-term rentals are really much more flexible assets, usually in um, more urban market. And what I mean by that is, these are assets that can be rented for a couple of days at a time, a couple of weeks at a time, or a couple of months at a time. And they really can serve multiple purposes um, and, uh, you know, something, purposes that really COVID has accelerated by allowing people to work, live, and travel from anywhere. Um, so it's really been, a, a, it's, it's, it's gotten a little bit more, um, uh, I guess, complex, but I think that's to the benefit uh, of, of proactive property managers, because I think there's a lot more opportunity out there than there was prior. And where do you think the opportunity is? Where can, um, and what should an owner do with a, a single family home they have? How do they decide whether they should put this on Airbnb, whether they should just let it sit and appreciate, whether they should put it on a long-term lease or whatever other model is out there? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's one of the, that that's honestly the first question that we get all the time when we talk to potential partnership clients is how much money can my property make? That's always the number one question that we get because people don't know. It's not very, uh, it's not often. It's not very easy to figure out. So you know, we always kind of advise um, other operators and owners to look at data that's available to them, either from the from a realtor or from the property management company, or even through some third party technology that they can use. So. You know, a lot of times we'll recommend they check out Rental Meter uh, to look at what uh, long-term rentals will go for. Um, that data has been a lot harder to find for short-term rentals. There's some decent uh, platforms out there like AirDNA and MashPfizer that if you dig in, will give you enough kind of information on how much a short-term rental can generate. We actually just launched our own free product um, about six months ago at data.drabu.com where you type in an address, tell us how many bedrooms, and we give you an, an immediate estimate on revenue potential give you the comms and i'll allow you to select your comms so that you can kind of get a good idea of what your property could generate so it's really um you know a lot of times we encourage other operators to provide as much hand holding as they can to to their to their partners their owners that they work with uh but you know this is still a little bit of wild wild west so we've built tools ourselves to kind of educate investors Again, our, we primarily work with investors on the opportunity of each strategy so that they can make uh, the best decision possible for their asset. Could you give us an example uh, or any case studies uh, as an example of the type of yield you can generate by having something long-term versus flipping it into something that's more short-term, Airbnb-focused? Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on the market and the location. On average, um, after all fees, you know, it, again, it depends on, on location, depends on the market. Uh, Short-term rentals will make upwards of 60% more net net operating income to to the owner themselves. Now, it's not across the line. It's not every home. You know, there's data out there that you can find that that will help you uh, kind of dive down to the numbers. And there's also some municipality kind of restrictions that, as a property manager, as an owner, you need to be aware of that. You need to check the city that these type of rentals are actually allowed. But on average, we're seeing about a 60% lift uh, on you know short-term rentals versus 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 long-term rentals.